Welcome on back. Tub Club is back. And we have a very special guest here. Uh, some may call him the backbone of the program. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'd probably introduce Bubs, YB. He is back from the grave. Uh, <laughs> how are we doing, Bubs? Welcome. I would like to thank you. Thank you. Uh, first off, thank you both for running the program. Uh, you know what? I needed to focus my mind, you know, really like, you know, when Luke Skywalker goes off and finds Yoda and does his practicing for like however long he did it. Yeah. I learned to, to study the game, get refocused, re, uh, re-energize myself, need to take care of some things. But again, thank you both for running the show. You both killed it. Loved all the episodes you put out. Glad to be back. BCB, how are you feeling though? Oh, feeling good, man. So it's uh, we're in, in the middle of November. I've heated up on gambling a little bit, almost as hot as you were when you stepped away. You were maybe the hottest gambler alive uh, <laughs> in the beginning of the season. But it's the middle of November, Ole Miss 8-1. and one, Very big game on the slate this week. Uh, chance to kind of backdoor themselves into the playoff, possibly, with a win this week. So, uh, honestly... It's just been a really great season. I think I, I kind of get sad that it's almost over, really. Uh, looking at it from that, that standpoint, it's been a great regular season. Pac-12 has been great. SEC has been great. The Big Ten has been pretty top-heavy, but it's provided us some drama. Yeah. Uh, the Michigan story is a gift that keeps on giving. So <laughs> ready to see what chapter we add to the season this week. Love it. And BCB, would you say – if you could have the 12-team playoff this year, would you say it would fit? I know you're against it in the future, but for this year, do you think it would be a good fit? Yeah, so actually, Larry and I talked about it. We're like, the crazy thing is, this is like the one year, I think, of the last decade where you're like, you you could convince me that a 12-team playoff was needed right. um, for this. And, and honestly, the more I've thought about it, this is something we can kind of expand on. I'm not against a 12-team playoff per se. I'm against more so the way that they've set it up. Like, I think that it's just become a, a devaluation of the regular season. Mm-hmm. When I think there's a way they could have kept the regular season, regional conferences, and the importance on NY6 games all, like, in order and then done a playoff uh, based on the winner of the NY6 game. So, basically, you would have had 12 teams, the winner of your New Year's Six Bowl games, or then a six-team playoff bracket. I think that that's something we can expand into later, maybe as we wrap up the uh, the year. But uh, yeah, no, you could convince me a 12-team playoff would be really fun this year. I still don't think that it would produce a different champion than what we're probably about to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would it would be a spectacle. Yeah. No, we got yeah. a bunch. Of- oh, go yeah, no, completely agree. Um, I mean, just think it through it. Like, so Ohio State, Michigan, in uh, Washington, Oregon, both in Georgia, Old Miss, Alabama, put all of them in. I think Texas should get in. Um, FSU, didn't even mention FSU. Uh, maybe a one-loss Louisville. Uh, Kansas. Su- it, it sucks. Who else? Who did I miss? Maybe Kansas for a Big 12 rep. Yep, Kansas. Definitely not Oklahoma. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, this year, this year would be a good one to do it. I mean, Oregon State, um, but I, we get four teams, so we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty here and see, 
see what these teams are made of. I love it. Week 10 in the books. We're getting there. Future's looking great. Game's heating up. Got a lot more money to win you guys to finish out the year. Let's get right to it. We're back. So let's go ahead. Let's kick it off with our teams. Uh, BCB, I think you have the most to say. We'll, we'll, we'll kick it off with you first. Let's talk about Ole Miss, Texas A&M. All right, so very fun week. Uh, obviously, you've got the, the Lane, Kiffin, Jimbo Fisher, a little bit of a grudge match. Uh, it's been a fun shit-talking rivalry. I think Ole Miss has beat them by – I know we beat them by three as well last year too, I think. So beat them by three again this year. Mm -hmm. It's a game that if you were just watching it and you didn't have like the scoreboard on the TV, you would have thought – Ole Miss was probably up about four touchdowns just watching the two teams play it. They're about to kick a field goal in the first half to go up 17-0, and the field goal gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. So it's 14-17. I remember we're sitting there at half, and it's like 20 to 14 at half. And I'm the guys I'm with were like, how the hell is this a one-touchdown game? So you knew that the, the second half was going to be a battle. Um, fun fact on Texas A&M, no team – had rushed for 100 yards and thrown for over 100 yards in the same game against Texas A&M. Really? Uh, this year, yeah. No team had had done that. Uh, Ole Miss ended up with um, uh, like 130-something rushing yards, I think, and then like 300 passing. So, okay. you know, dynamically, like they, they were dynamic on offense, had the best game that anybody's probably had against Texas A&M this year from an offensive standpoint, except for – uh, maybe Miami, who somehow scored like 49 points against them uh, early in the season. But college football, baby, it comes down to a field goal at the end. Ole Miss returns the favor by blocking the field goal, just mm -hmm. enough to make it fall short at 42 yards. Uh, it's kind of, you know, survive in advance. So you win your game. Now you get a chance at Georgia to kind of avenge the Alabama loss a little earlier in the year. And uh, all their goals are still really – on the table so we'll see very big matchup this week oh yes oh yes also <laughs> trey harris is the best wide receiver in college football that nobody talks about Hot over time. 200 receiving yards one-handed catches all day uh if he ends up in indianapolis colt next year chris ballard will be in my good graces again <laughs> larry tell me about coastal with technically a dog upset uh yeah coastal's a wagon right now uh <laughs> four game win streak uh ever since they beat uh a and or sorry ever since they beat app state at app state on that tuesday night mm -hmm. they have won four in a row they are now at the top of the sunbelt east uh technically at the top uh jmu is actually at the top <laughs> and undefeated jmu is not eligible for the second year in a row because mm -hmm. they moved up from the fcs which is an absolute stupid rule it's yep. so stupid. Go ahead, BCB. I'll let you. I'll let you cut in right there. Well, so here's the thing: they're just not eligible so far. They're doing filing another they're appealing. Yeah, like yeah. they might. They might be eligible, and then they might be eligible for an NY six, and then that would be like a crazy turn of events. But as of right now, they're not eligible, which is great for someone who has Georgia Southern futures, uh, because then they can't even play in the conference title game. So. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, I'm kind of rooting against JMU a little bit here from the, the like, 
Well, it sounds like you're rooting against Coastal too. So Georgia Southern had has the head-to-head against Coastal, but Coastal has the better division record. They're four and two. Um, Georgia Southern, I think, is three and two right now. Uh, Troy sits on the other side at four and one. Um, but Coastal, Coastal, Grayson McCall got hurt uh, three weeks ago now. Uh, knocked out in a concussion against uh, Arkansas State. They still won that game. Um, they brought their backup in, beat the shit out of Marshall two weeks ago, homecoming, and then last week. So they've they've actually won three games with three different quarterbacks in the last three weeks. I don't know actually – I don't know what the plan is. Um, but, I mean, they look good. They're kind of buzzing right now. Their defense is excellent, and their offense is buzzing with all – all three quarterbacks. I, McCall might be back, or they actually McCall might be done. I don't. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. Solid game, though, nonetheless. Coastal on a hot streak. Ole Miss is up. Chain uh, can't hit the. Well, possibly can't hit the title game, but has a huge game this week to really make some waves. Larry, go ahead, real quick. Is Iowa dead? Rest in peace, Brian Ferentz. Iowa's back all the way back, baby. Ferentz might be gone. Yeah, we got to leave him to the end of the year for recruiting purposes. I get that. What a win. Just a great transition, Larry, into this weekend at Wrigley Field. 10-7, last second field goal. That's how you fucking, that's defense wins fucking championships right there. We're going to be representing the Big Ten West. Uh, We have three games left this week against Rutgers, who we'll talk about here in a second. Put up a solid first half showing against Ohio State. but. Iowa, man, just fucking, that's how football should be played. I don't care what anyone says, run the ball, play defense, punt the ball. That's how you fucking win football games, baby. Loved it. Did anyone anyone call fair catch on the uh, end of the game field goal? I watched that in person while I was away, and I went from the highest of highs. I was in Minnesota for our listeners, so there was a bunch of Gopher fans around me. And I went through each of the room once I saw the replay of him stepping in bounds. That's why I thought they were challenging or looking at. And I went to each personal Minnesota fan and I said, fuck you to their face. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. From the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. But it's in the past. Solid win against Northwestern at Wrigley Field. My two, my favorite place in the world. My favorite team in the world. So solid win. We control our destiny in the Big Ten West with Minnesota losing to Illinois. Great showing all around. Let's hit up some of the other games, though. Uh, BCB, any other uh, games last week that stuck out to you? Uh, so, yeah, I was able to watch this one uh, in its entirety. It was a game I was looking forward to. It was my biggest play of the week last week. Uh, we got Washington minus three, though, uh, against USC. Officially put the nail in USC's coffin for the year. Uh, probably the end of the Caleb Williams era. Wouldn't be surprised if it's the end of the Lincoln Riley era. Wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of putting his name in some NFL hats uh, at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if him and Caleb kind of pitched themselves as like a little bit of a tandem uh, to the NFL. We'll see. Both guys have, have spent, you know, media Mondays um, openly talking about the NFL. But uh, so I was kind of always questioning how bought in this USC team was. Never really think we got to see their best game. They fired their defensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. rightfully so. Um, But no, it was just a huge game from Washington. It was one of those I was at the 
watching it at the bar and you know the guys that i'm with were like all right well whoever gets the ball last year is probably going to win uh, <laughs> and it, it pretty much came down that way yep. it was a 10 point win 52 points for washington i don't know what to make of michael Penix. like he he might very well end up being the heisman trophy winner if they can win these next three games and win the pac 12 and probably rightfully so um i would have never believed it if you would have told me at iu that he was going to be a heisman trophy winner but here we are. Uh, Kalen DeBoer has Washington rolling. USC, you're taking a tough year, going out of the Pac-12, going to the Big, going to the Big Ten. I guess they did lose to future Big Ten rival Washington as well. So yep. that rivalry will continue when you're in the 20-team Super Conference. But uh, Washington also, that defense is just slightly better than USC's like that defense is Perfect not, third right there. Yep. yeah that even's not very good I would love it's kind of funny because the, the Pac-12 looks a lot better on paper this year than it has been I think that's true but I still think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12 the best overall team I, I think that Pac-12 championship is going to be absolutely nuts it's going to be must-see TV but couldn't agree more that uh, Washington running back had, I think he had over 200 yards rushing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, just nonstop football. It was the polar opposite of the Iowa Northwestern game. Um, just fun. Remind me of a uh, Rams chiefs on Sunday night or Monday night football, uh, three, four years back. Great. Stuff. That Mexico city game where just everybody's. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, Larry, your thoughts on Caleb. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So. Seeing him at the end of the game crying in his mother's arms, if mm -hmm. I'm an NFL exec seeing that, I'm not drafting him. That's um, I'm just wow. not I – can't, I can't draft a kid like that. Um, it's like a regular season loss. They already had two losses. Like, I, I don't understand. What was he so upset about? Um, he's a, he won the Heisman last year, like – I don't, if I'm an NFL exec, exec and I see that, I'm like, I don't know, something wrong with this kid. Uh, I don't want any part of him. I don't want him on my team. Uh, I, I mean, we've always kind of questioned his effort and commitment. Um, but yeah, I, I want nothing to do with that kid. I don't think he'll be a successful NFL quarterback. I don't think Lincoln Riley will be a successful NFL coach. Um but yeah, that's, that's what I, that, that's really where I'm at with uh, Caleb Williams. And uh, I am not buying into any of this hype. So two things for you. Number one, if the Patriots somehow got traded up to the number one pick, you do not want Caleb Williams. I'd rather Drake may. I'm going to say something real quick. Caleb Williams is just as good, if not better of a prospect than Andrew Luck. I'm putting that out there. I'm, I'm putting all my cards on the table on Caleb Williams. The way I watched him play, some of the throws he made, the way he could roll out of the pocket. His reads aren't the greatest. Ham, Hammer put something in the group chat today from fucking Kyle Slaughter, that stupidest shit. But USFL legend Kyle Slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> but the way I watched the game, the way he escaped out of pressure, made some throws on the run. Uh, again, maybe his reads aren't the greatest. That'll you know come with learning, come with learning new systems. I think he's the greatest prospect since Andrew Luck. My 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 two sets. Yeah, I don't. You know, I kind of wonder with Caleb Williams sometimes that he's so naturally talented and he, he's got so much arm talent that if it's almost kind of hurt his development a little bit, like it kind of seems, kind of seems like one of those kids where like you'll have him 
more so in like high school where they're just so talented that no matter what they do, they can always get their ass out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And he kind of seems like one of those. And that's, I think that's kind of what Kyle Slaughter, I was trying to read through it a little bit more. And it's kind of what Kyle Slaughter was getting at mm-hmm. when he had posted that. I was like, or that he just doesn't think Lincoln Riley like teaches the game very well okay. <laughs> to the quarterbacks either. Um, which maybe there's something to be said for that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and question either of those guys, but it just always kind of seems like to me that like, you, you see it kind of more so I've watched a lot of Caleb this year and just more so early in games. He's perfectly content to just kind of throw the ball out of bounds. Like, mm-hmm. or like he, he seems like a different player to me late in games than he does early in games with that. That makes sense. Like I kind of San Jose state game and stuff like he's fine giving up possessions. Mm-hmm. But then, but then when he's, when he's down, he almost pushes to a fault, which I'm sure that can be corrected, but it's kind of like what you saw versus Notre Dame, mm-hmm. like his, his mistakes snowball. But I do think he's uh, throwing the football. He's as talented as anyone I've ever seen at the college football level. I mean that <laughs> the games, especially when you're, you're watching against some of these teams, you, when they have the ball late and they're rolling, you, you know, he's going to score. Like it's, it's unreal. That's what I'm saying now is if you play, uh, Caleb Williams this will be the last thing I say on the Bears with Eberflus. I could see him just cont- no development, staying as is. But you put him on someone like Belichick with the Pats, which we know is not going to happen. But if he had that sort of mentorship, that sort of direction, I think the sky's the limit for the kid. That's my two cents. You're not going to like this, but there's a team in New York that has a very uh, great offensive mind as a head coach. Uh, I need a quarterback. Uh, if Dabble and the Giants fucking get Caleb or Drake May, I'm going to be upset, but it's for another day. All right. Uh, other games, just two quick hitters on the Big Ten I want to run through. Wisconsin, Indiana. I'm sold on Soresby, uh, the quarterback for Indiana. Watch the game start to finish. I think Wisconsin's going to have trouble. They moved to a 3-4 this year. We discussed it in week one or our preview episode how Fickle switched to the 3-4. I don't think that's going to work in the Big Ten. It might work next year when we bring in some of these Pac-12 teams. It might see a little bit more success. But the way there was no pressure on Soresby, the way he could sit back as a young quarterback, make his reads, make his throws, was wild. And Tanner Mordecai and Braylon Allen did not play this game. It shows how much those two mean to these, this team. If those two are your main standpoints from a a team as a whole and you can't beat fucking Indiana or even make it a game, it wasn't really even a game. Indiana controlled the game start to finish. That says something. Fickle better bring in some recruits. Otherwise, that's going to be a problem. Other game real quick. Rutgers was leading at halftime against Ohio State 9-6. to They had a field goal from the three, the four, and the five. Couldn't fucking punch it in. Could have been a different game. Ohio State comes through like we kind of knew they would. Ended up covering, but interesting play from uh, Rutgers with their lead up to Iowa. Do you guys have any thoughts on Kansas State-Texas? Sorry, that was my last one here. Uh, I thought that was a really fun game to watch. I kind of had it on like one of the side screens, just kind of glancing at it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun to see Arch Manning uh, back at Ole Miss in a couple of years when he realizes he's not beating out Malik Murphy at Texas. So uh, looking looking very much forward to the Manning family coming back home to Oxford because I think they're in the same class, right? Like the Malik Murphy kid's pretty talented. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, either that or Arch will be at – you know, I don't know, Louisiana Tech or something, if he wants to stay a little closer to home there. But that's <laughs> – he's got his work cut out for him. I 
I think Texas is kind of one of those teams this year too, that with the exception of the Oklahoma game, like there's Ole Miss has kind of had the same type of season as well too, but it just seems like Texas has gotten the breaks that they've needed along the way. Right. So, um, but I mean, there's not many teams uh, to, to your point, you know, like we were talking about just quarterbacks a minute ago. Um, there's not many teams in college football now with the transfer portal that could lose a kid like Quinn Ewers and then be able to beat a team like Kansas State with their backup. So shout out to Sark for actually having built the roster there. Uh, they've got depth all over the place. Really nice skill position players. I, I want to see that. I would like to see an Oklahoma-Texas uh, rematch in the conference championship game. But it might be Texas, Oklahoma State in the, in the Big 12 title game now. So I got a future on an exact uh, Texas, Kansas Big 12 championship that that's yeah. where, where I'm crossing my fingers for. But my one question to Larry and to BCB, Texas was up 27-7, I think it was. I They were up by a lot. Two turnovers. Kansas State comes back easily, you know, just quick plays, bam, 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 ended up being a tie game, goes to overtime. Texas kicks the field goal, goes up 33-30. For those that didn't watch the game, it was fourth and goal on the four. Instead of kicking a field goal, Kansas State chooses to go for it with Howard. Howard jacks up the play, gets sacked. It was just a broken play. My question is, you always go for the win away, you tie at home, right? That's usually the typical rule. But with the momentum that Kansas State had getting back to this, if you guys are the head coach, Larry, I'll start with you. Are you kicking that field goal down 33-30 at Texas, or are you yeah. taking chances of going for the win? No, you always take the points on the road. Uh, BCB and I talked about uh, something similar when uh, Oregon at Washington a couple weeks ago. Yeah, there were there were th- they went for it three times on fourth and uh, fourth and short. Um, I I am always the component. Uh, take the points on the road. Um, if you're gonna. If it only if it if it ties, if it's for a tie, you yeah. absolutely take the points on the road. ECB. Yeah, so I'm almost like as an underdog, I'm almost always team go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth and fourth and goal though from the like, but normally here's my thing with the underdog. If you're in overtime and the other team's about to score, or you're trying to tie or, or go ahead. Um, usually, if you're in that role as the underdog, it's because you had a lead, and then the the favorite you've blown it at some point, right? And you've seen a big comeback from the favorite momentum on your side and they would get the ball first. Mm-hmm. I probably would have just kicked it, taken your points. As long as you feel calm, unless there's like something screwy where your long snappers injured or you're yeah. on your third holder or something. But um, I would have just probably taken the points and then, and then, cause you've got to go for two anyway, like the second overtime. So if you have a play you like from the two, maybe you score. I, especially with a backup quarterback on the other side, I probably would have just kicked it, played for the second overtime. Um, but now had that been reversed, like had they been – like had Texas scored a touchdown first and then Kansas scored a touchdown, I would have been in favor of Kansas State going for two there to win it. Yep, yep. Fair, fair, fair. Okay. I, well, I mean, I, I agree with that. I But a, I think a two-point conversion is just cr- much different than fourth and four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kicking the field goal there. Fourth and four, yeah. It's like – now, if it had been like fourth and goal on the one, I would have said go for it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, makes sense. Fourth and four is a lot different, though. Fourth and four is almost three points in the XFL. <laughs> or you could have a situation where – Again, this is NFL, but the Texans having that dude kick a field goal at the end of the uh, – oh, God. 
All right. Uh, Larry, did you have any other games or you want to toss it to BCB? Uh, no, I mean, uh, Bedlam was awesome. Oklahoma yep. was a bunch of frauds, but that game was awesome. Uh, yep. Very exciting. Um, that game delivered. A lot of these rivalry games have delivered this year. Um, they've been very exciting, very entertaining. Um, but that's, that's all I really wanted to throw in there. Love it. BCB, any other games you wanted to hit on? Well, I was rooting for LSU to beat Alabama, um, create a three-way tie that could have put Ole Miss into the SEC title game. Um, didn't <laughs> happen. LSU just the same, the same, they have the same problems that have plagued them all years. Jaden Daniels is absolutely a stud. The kids improved a lot since he was at his Arizona state. Yeah. Um, fortunately took a big hit from Dallas Turner. Well, who kind of has a, a questionable history um, with some of that stuff. I, I will say this. I do think there's an element of Dallas Turner to where he's just playing football. Like we've almost become pretty sensitized to big quarterback hits. I don't think every big hit's dirty. Uh, he did. I mean, he put his helmet right on his chin though. Like that right there, nailed him, dude. And, oh. and Dallas Turner almost broke Jackson darts neck at Ole Miss last year by just grabbing his face. Like I was at that game. I thought he, I thought he had broke his neck, his head, like almost did uh one eighty. So uh dallas turner it sucks because he's a very talented kid uh but no lsu same problems same problem they had against florida state that secondary's weak and they just can't make any stops uh once Jaden daniels went down they were that was it for them so uh they live to fight another day i guess but you know really again a 12 team playoff lsu would be kind of a dangerous team i don't think they could win it all but they could probably upset somebody they got enough firepower 100% agree. Yes, that hit. I watched it. Again, you don't want to say dirty because the kid loves playing football, but God, it was the crown of his helmet on the fucking chin. And then the pile drive, too, on top of that. Like, Jesus, man. I feel bad for Jaden Daniels, but again, Milro, unstoppable that game. Yeah, Milro, that's like one of those things. Like I said, you got to kill early in the year. Remember, I said you got to kill Alabama yep. while you can. And then ever since that South Florida game where they tried out the other quarterbacks, mm -hmm. I think Saban just kind of said, look, Melrose is the best option we got. We got to tailor the offense to him. And they're probably doing some things offensively that they didn't plan on doing before the year. But then Ole Miss could have beat Alabama on that, that next game after South Florida, had him dead to rights multiple times, let him off the hook. Tennessee, Tennessee too. Uh, they were yeah. <laughs> Tennessee. And I, I, at least with that Tennessee game, I told my buddy, I look real smart because Tennessee was up big. I looked over, I was like, you know, Joe Milton's not good enough to beat Alabama, right? <laughs> and that was like, well, that's kind of how that cookie crumbled. But uh, 27 unanswered in the second half. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. You got the greatest coach. Again, 73 of their 85 kids on their roster were four or five star recruits. Like the team stacked. They're, they're a great defensive team, too. That's the thing. Milrow just has to score enough points. Well, and it's running the ball, controlling the clock, getting your defense, let them stay on the sidelines, get rested. I mean, I think a lot of those things add up and work in Bama's favor. Yeah, when, when you've got one of the best defenses we've ever seen from a talent standpoint yep. and your guys are just constantly fresh, yeah. <laughs> it's really tough to get stuff going. All right. Well, week 10 in the books. We'll move it along to week 11. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying the Mac has killed me. Uh, but that being said, as Larry has known from our past years, 
I'm probably hitting at about a 12% win rate on over-unders. Uh, I'm going to share one of my picks right now because it's in their plane as we speak. Just so you guys can see bowling. Uh, okay, well, I'll just tell you. I had bowling green minus 10 and the over 40 and a half. And right now, 28, six at halftime. If they don't fucking score a single point the second half, I'm, gonna, I'm never betting a total again in my entire fucking life. I'm just calling that one out right now. But anyways, week 11, we have some great games. Um, I'll start us off uh, just from a Big Ten special standpoint. Michigan at Penn State. My question to the both of you, right now this game sits at four and a half. Uh, Michigan favorite, obviously. Michigan's going to Penn State. How much does the point spread change if this game is not at 11 o'clock a.m. Central, but is yet instead a whiteout game? That's my question to you, too. I would say it would be like one and a half, too. You think it moves it that much? I Here's the thing. I think – I don't think home field – like home, home – like night home field advantage, I guess, like whiteout game, stuff like that. I think that those are incredibly underrated. Um, in terms of the points, the point value, especially like now that I've been going to games and like the SEC and, you know, these major schools and you're kind of there at the atmosphere for some of these, like if you like, I mean, when you've been at like Cyhawk and stuff, yeah, like that atmosphere, you, you're like, man, this is worth more than the field goal. Fucking right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you put them in a night game, the crowd just constantly being ruckus. Mm -hmm. You've got kids that have been drinking all day. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, and I think it's a little bit of a shock to the system if you're if you're a team that normally plays at noon, like it, it's a long day to to get there as an away team too. So yeah. I don't know. I would say I I would bet Penn State uh, like a field goal or more if it was a late night game. Yep. Larry, your thoughts? Um, I hate the Big Ten. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why it's not a night game. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I also I don't know why Penn State Ohio State wasn't a night game a couple weeks ago. Like I what I don't know what like why aren't we having these huge Big Ten rivalry games at in prime time during the night? Um, I I agree with BCB. The kids would be hammered. I'm sure they would. They hate everybody. Hates Michigan right now too in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. So like they will be harassing Michigan even more than they would in a normal like in any given year it would be even to a higher extent um i'd probably say the line would it would stay around three i think um i think i think everyone's just so high on this michigan team um that i still think they would stay probably a three-point favor so I, I don't think the line would actually move that much um i also think a lot of the money would still come in on michigan probably just based off uh, kind of that Penn State-Ohio State game. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I kind of really like Penn State in this spot uh, a lot. Um, I drew Allard at home. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 I mean, I, I'll give out one of my picks. Okay. I, I'm going to be on the under. I think this is going to be Big Ten football. Okay. Uh, under 45. Uh, is on my card already. I, I think this is going to be Big Ten football, and this is going to be a uh, defensive battle. So 
position battle, lots of punts. Love it. My next question, just sticking to this game, another question for the both of you, because these are just popping in right here. Like I said, I'm full of fucking takes. I've been ready. I've been holding all this shit bottled up here. Is Connor, I'm going to need your guys' help for this. Is Connor Stallions the biggest non-player football story since BCB or Larry helped me out, the uh, head coach who wore the neck brace, Louisville. Uh, uh, Petrino? Yes. Since Petrino, or I can't think of another non-player. Lene Kakua? Oh, there you go. There's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> the stories that come out for this guy, apparently well, it's being denied by Blake Corm's attorneys. He has a business set up, an LLC in fucking Wyoming or Colorado with Blake Corm as the co-owner. He's got fucking the vacuum salesman. He fucking represented himself in court. He fucking accused the defendant of being a Michigan State fan of why he's suing him. The dude is fucking nuts, and I love him. I absolutely love him. Your guys' thoughts on him. Yeah, he's got to be like a CIA agent or some shit, right? Like, <laughs> dude, he's sitting here buying tickets all over the country on a, on a fucking vacuum repairman salary, and he's... <laughs> He's living in a $480,000 house and nobody at Michigan really knows him or has anything to do with the guy. But all of a sudden he's, he's got a business with a fucking star running back who claims to not have a business with him, but then is also hashtag set LLC on his Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) This, this this dude, I, he a hundred percent sure has to be like a bag man. That when they legalized NIL, we're like, oh, we gotta find a new job for him. Oh, oh. <laughs> just, I like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just like one of those guys that kind of lied on his resume, and this thing's just snowballed. To where, <laughs> <laughs> to where he just kept having to do more and more insane shit, oh, and, and now he's just like kind of the master of all trades, uh, <laughs> and just a, a master of the dark arts for Michigan football to where. <laughs> He's just wearing other teams gear now on their sideline with Ray bands, with a recording device in the middle of the night. Oh yeah. <laughs> Great. I love him. I love him. Larry, what do you think about the guy? He sounds, yeah, he, uh, this might bring up some bad memories for you, you know, Spygate and whatnot, but I want to, I'll get your honest opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's like the most interesting man in the world right now. Um, <laughs> Like nobody knows what, what he's been doing or where he's been or like um, it sounds like he could have just, he was, he's been on Michigan uh, like messaging boards his whole life, diehard Michigan fan. And then they just hired him somehow. Like I, it's my, so it's the craziest story maybe ever. I'm just, it's so fresh right now. I don't like. Will we be talking about this in five years? I was like, where is where, the documentary? Where is Connor Stallings? What's he doing now? Um, oh, he'll be coaching like a Bishop Sycamore or some shit uh, <laughs> in like four or five years. Oh, I bet you Portnoy hires him in two seconds once he's officially let go. Um, okay, enough about Michigan, Penn State. Let's move it right along. I'll, I'll be honest with this, Tennessee, another ranked matchup, Tennessee at Missouri. I'll be very, very honest with you guys. Missouri has flown under my radar all year. Surprisingly, I've been looking into them as of late. Surprisingly, very good. Uh, BCB, you're the SEC guy. 
Tell us what to think about this. Right now, Tennessee minus one and a half at Mizzou. Yeah, so I'll say this. I watched uh, I've watched a lot of Mizzou this year, um, just kind of inadvertently between like the game they had at LSU and stuff. This Brady Cook kid that's the quarterback is legitimate. Uh, he's very good. They have two two wide receivers, uh, Luther Burden, who's a five-star recruit, came in last year as a freshman. He's got uh, 951 yards on 63 catches, seven touchdowns. Mm. He's a kid that there was, like, rumored um, he was going to be in the portal, and there were a lot of kid, people interested in him. He kind of shot it down. Uh, then they did add Theo Weiss uh, from Oklahoma as, like, their second wide receiver. He's been tearing it up. He's like 41, 522, uh, and five touchdowns. So the, from an offensive standpoint, they're just a really tough matchup. Uh, and then defensively, they had held teams here. Uh, three of their last five games, they've held them to 300 yards or less. The only one that they've really gotten torched on was the LSU game, uh, which is a tough matchup in its own right. So they're probably uh, legitimately the second best team in the SEC East, I think. So there was actually – a not insignificant chance you could have seen Missouri in the conference championship game if they would have won last week uh, against Georgia. I'm not sure Tennessee's going to get enough stops this week uh, to with Missouri. It's at Missouri, so lean there. Uh, Missouri has three home games as well, too. So if Georgia trips up somehow here over the last couple of weeks, I guess they still could get into the uh, SEC title game. But, no, Missouri's a great team. Um, I, I would be betting Missouri. It's going to be on the card. I'll kind of tease that. But, yeah, Missouri Saturday. Love it. Uh, Larry, any thoughts on the game? Or we want to move to the next one? Uh, I'm, all, I'm leaning Missouri as well. Um, that Tennessee defense is also awful. I don't think that Missouri defense is very good either, though. Um, they played LSU real tough at home. Uh I remember BCMB and I both lucked out and got a late cover with a uh, pick six return at the end of the game for LSU. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I'm leaning, I'm leaning uh, Missouri here at home, home dog. Love it. And then Larry, we'll get, we'll let you start off with the next one. I know you're the Sunbelt guy, a lot of ACC, but looking at our next uh, matchup here, ranked matchup, Utah, number 18, Utah, at number five, Washington. Right now, Utah is nine-and-a-half-point dogs. We know Cam Rising, done for the year. He's not playing. Utah, surprisingly, still puts shit together. Solid defense, solid run game. Uh, Larry, any initial thoughts? Um, I, like I think the, too many, the points scare me. Uh, Nine-and-a-half scares me. But uh, Utah, I don't think Utah's a good team. I think they're not a good team on the road. Um, but I, I, that Washington defense is, is – I think they'll be able to get enough stops, but nine and a half is too big, or, too big of a number, so I'm staying away. BCB. Yeah, I would actually probably lean Utah in this game. Uh, I think you kind of get a letdown spot for Washington coming in here off the big win. Uh it's easy to kind of look at really the only two teams that have given Utah trouble were Oregon state and Oregon. And those are kind of teams that run the same style of play uh, is Utah. They're both big physical teams that can just kind of line up across from you and, and hit you in the mouth. Mm -hmm. um, Utah, like I said, kind of styles make fights. And uh, I usually kind of prefer these grinded out teams against the air raid teams. 
that you get. I think for, uh, here's the thing. I think Utah can make stops on defense. I don't know that Washington uh, is going to be able. It's easier to sit there and stop a run game and a third string quarterback. I get that. But I think Utah's going to be in their ass a little bit. I think, I mean, this Utah team kind of has that underdog mentality of where they got uh, written off early, right? Without Cam rising, you lose your star player. You get a kid who was a walk-on, uh, who's their quarterback now, the third string, uh, Bryson Barnes. He's been playing, I wouldn't say he's not lights out. He's not a world beater by any means, but there's something about him that kind of works with this team. So I think Utah will be able to run the ball. They're going to have to control the clock. They can't sit there and let Washington go up and down the field on them all day. But if you're giving me double-digit points, I'll take a swing with Utah here. Fair enough. Uh, I'll end it with, I like what you said, BCB, about being a potentially a letdown game. My thinking is the complete opposite. I think it's a momentum-building game. I think that win at USC, they're undefeated. They're just outside of the playoffs right now. I think they have this momentum, this fire to keep fucking blowing out teams prove everybody wrong, get to the Pac-12 championship for that matchup against Oregon, see what happens. This game is on my card as well. We'll come back to it here in a second. Uh, Moving right along, though, uh, looking through the rest of the games. Oh, BCB will let you start. Ole Miss at Georgia. Let's hear it. All right. So here we go. So this one is uh, is a big one. Uh, one I've had a lot of people reach out to me about, um, talk to all week. And so, you know, I'm always happy to talk a little Ole Miss football. So we get a team where, as I like to say, who you are, your identity as a football team usually changes three or four times over the course of a season. Normally with a football team, it seems like the course is you start off healthy Um, you get injured and then you try and just move some pieces around and kind of see who you are at the end of the season compared to where you thought you were. Ole Miss has actually kind of taken the opposite approach. They had started off injured um, and have finally gotten healthy. So they have more pieces now on offense probably than they did at the beginning of the season. Guys that have some more defined roles. Like I said, Trey Harris has kind of come into his own after having to get a knee scope. Uh, I think Jackson Dart's been playing really well. He's only got four interceptions on the year. Hasn't really turned the ball over. Uh, they've been playing well. Also, this is a team that, like, when you talked about, uh, like, Lane Kiffin and, and you listened to him, the team was really, really upset when they lost Alabama. They thought they let one get away. Well, guess what? You've taken care of business. So, in football, you were in the opportunity um, to, to get another opportunity, right? So, now here's their chance if they want to take a step forward. <clears throat> I do think Georgia's a really good team. Uh, if you kind of go back to what me and Larry have said, uh, I always kind of thought there was another gear to the Georgia team. And we finally saw it um, a few weeks ago. And then they've, they've been operating at a high level, beat a good Missouri team last week. But Missouri had them in a dogfight. Like, I think this Georgia team's beatable. Um, the one thing that kind of gives me hope is that Ole Miss fan is someone who's watched every play of every game they've had this year. I don't think they've played a complete football game yet. Like, there's times where they like, I talk about the A&M game. Like, could have been a blowout and you make a mistake, and you end up in a dogfight. But just winning those dogfights, they've consistently won those dogfights. I think they have like four or five one-score wins. So when you've been in enough of those games, you've been in the trenches, it kind of builds some confidence. Um, Other than Missouri, though, yeah, you've got to go back to the the Auburn game. Uh, It was the last team that really kind of gave Georgia uh, any any sort of scare. So 
We'll see. I think Ole Miss will be able to get some plays on the Georgia defense. I don't think they're as good as years past. Uh, Missouri and Florida both averaged over four yards per carry against Georgia, and Auburn averaged over five. So I think Ole Miss's run game is a little bit better than those teams. And when you get the run game going with Ole Miss, it usually opens it up down the field for their, their RPOs. So I think, you know, if they can get that going, get Trey Harris on some big plays, get Dayton Wade with some big plays. Really, if you're Ole Miss, just try and hang around. Get to the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game. See what happens. Ole Miss has been really good in the first half, and they've been really good in the fourth quarter. So just don't get your ass beat in the third quarter uh, and see what happens. But now this is honestly, it's, it's uh, a lot of the people, the insiders and stuff around Ole Miss that have been following the program a lot longer than me. I'm uh, talking about that this might be the biggest game this school's had since 1950-something uh, with the implications. So, And like I told you guys in the group chat, if you like arbitrage plays, you can get Ole Miss on the money line plus 390, but they're 150 to one to make the playoff. So if they win this game, it would be very tough, I think, to leave them out of a 14 playoff when it's all said and done with how it shakes out. So go ahead, get yourself some 150 to one money uh, instead of four to one and see what happens. So right now, game opened at plus 19 and a half. It's dropped since at this moment of recording. It's at plus 10 and a half over under 58 and a half. Larry, uh, any initial thoughts? Ole Miss, Georgia. Uh, I like Ole Miss. Uh, I like Ole Miss getting those points. Um, staying within the number. Uh, I like the Ole Miss side better. Um, I think they should be able to expose the Georgia defense uh, as long as – I mean, is everyone healthy, BCB? We talk receivers, everybody? Yeah. yeah, we should be pretty good. Kwashan Judkins is as healthy as he's been. Uh, Trey Harris is healthy. I think Zachary Franklin is still banged up. Uh, Jordan Watkins has been playing with two plates in his hand. But a wide, we've kind of talked about it. I think a wide receiver, they've got enough guys that that's – the, that's the one place they could afford an injury. They also have a 6'6 tight end um, who's who's kind of been like a message board legend uh, at Ole Miss to where like a lot of us didn't know if he was real because he's just kind of been injured and fought through some things. It's only like his third game back. His name's Hudson Wolf. He wears 87. He kind of looks like Gronk out there. So he's back. So they've got they've got some pieces. Uh, got some pieces. So yeah, from from uh, from an offensive standpoint, they should be pretty healthy there. Um, yeah, no, I, I like old miss. I like old miss. Um, I would like to see them get up early, um, and put some pressure on. Um, but I, if old miss can sc score at well, I think Georgia might struggle, uh, to keep up. Yeah, I agree. If, if they can establish that run game, like you said, the two games they struggled against, uh, especially the Auburn game, what'd you say? They averaged four plays or four yards of carry. Over five, yeah. Average, or Auburn averaged over five that game. Yeah. Rushing. If they can keep that momentum, again, control the clock, ten and a half points, a lot of points. This game's on my card as well, so I'm going to save it. Let's round it up to the picks. Let's circle it back up. Well, uh, I was going to – I'll add a uh, I'll add a couple fun facts real quick yeah. just on the Georgia side. So this is the shortest favorite that Georgia's been all year. Okay. Uh, at ten and a half. And there's only been – all right, so I think the record for AP top 15 teams. So teams are in the AP top 15 to start the year. Uh, there's only been two games that they've lost. It's like 77-2 and two, uh, outright is 10-point uh, favorites or more. You know the two games that were lost? Let's hear it. 
It was Clemson both times. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck Dabo. Fuck Dabo. All right. Let's round up some picks. Uh, you know what? Since you guys, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with the picks this week. Uh, I have a ton I've been sitting on for a while, but let me just run right through them. I'll save my lock and let's see what we got. So uh, I already mentioned it. I have Bowling Green minus 10 over 40 and a half parlay right now. Looking good. We'll see how that one turns out currently at halftime. I have Kansas minus three and a half home against Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech is starting to come down a little bit. I think KU riding the win against Iowa State at homecoming, coming back home, having a shot for the Big 12 championship. They keep it rolling. Arizona, minus 10.5 at Colorado. Love Arizona's quarterback, what he's been doing. Uh, Shadur and Dion, they keep games close, but again, I know this is at Colorado. This is one of my riskier picks I put in there, but I do like Arizona minus 10.5. Pitt minus three at Syracuse. Syracuse last year started five and zero, lost their next five games. This year start five and zero on pace to lose. I don't know what um, what Dino Babers is doing with that team. You know, in the second half of the season, but you know what? I'm just going to keep riding everything against Cuse. Uh, Iowa minus one home against Rutgers. We need to win two out of the last three basically to clinch the Big Ten West. So I think Iowa, especially coming back home after traveling to Chicago, gets the win at Rutgers. I think they put everything on the table against Ohio State. My next one is a hinge bet. If Tanner Mordecai and Braylon Allen play, I like Wisconsin minus 10 and a half home against Northwestern. If one or the other does not play, no bet. I don't know how I'm going to put that on the graphic. Uh, Mizzou plus one and a half home against Tennessee. Washington minus nine and a half home against Utah. And this isn't my lock, but I almost put it there. A double play. Ole Miss plus 10 and a half. Ole Miss money line. Put it in the fucking books. Let's fucking go. Georgia, you fucking frauds. You're about to get exposed. I know it's at Georgia. Upset inbound. Let's fucking ride. Uh, Larry, let's hear the picks. Save the lock. Uh, so getting started here, I'm taking Coastal money line. It's plus a hundred. Coastal's getting Texas State at home. Um, also jumping on Old Miss plus ten and a half. It's just too many points. Um, LSU minus thirteen and a half. Uh, I think LSU is gonna smoke Florida in the swamp, or sorry, in Death Valley. Um, night game, and then. Oregon State minus 21. Stanford's going to Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State's about to put it on Stanford. And I'll save my mortal for the end. On to you, BCB. All right. So I'm going to take here. Uh, first off, give me Oklahoma State minus two and a half at UCF. This UCF team's not very good. They've been giving up uh, upwards of around 500 yards the last four or five games. Oklahoma State's defense isn't great, but they're a little bit better. Oklahoma State, on an upward trajectory, have the better players. They're playing for a Big 12 title. I don't think they'll. this will be a letdown spot for them. They're going on the road less than a field goal. I like it a little too much, but it's probably going to be a multi-unit play for us come Saturday. I almost had Rutgers plus one and a half. I can't do that on the week the Bubs comes back, so we're skipping that. It's not on the card. I don't want to put that juju out there. Uh, I will align with Bubs on this play. Give me the pit minus three. 
um, at Syracuse. I think that this is a pit team that uh, has shown up in some spots. They're not very good. They don't win a lot of games. They got a winnable game this week. I think you'll see an inspired performance out of them. Give me Pitt. Uh, also, Georgia Southern minus the two and a half at Marshall. I've been on Georgia Southern. They're in the race for a conference title game. Don't think Marshall's very good uh, or as good as it is they have been in years past. So I'll take a chance there. Uh, then we've got Houston minus two at home against Cincinnati in a night game. Emory Jones is fucking terrible. Cincinnati's terrible. They probably have instant buyer's remorse on the Scott Satterfield hire. I know Holgerson's kind of coaching out the string here with Houston. I think he's might be a guy that's fighting for his job. You get a night game for Houston, maybe that'll kind of help him rally. Um, also, give me uh, Missouri uh, plus one as a home dog. I will take that against Tennessee. Like I said, I'd give me Brady Cook. He's a much better quarterback than Joe Milton on the road. Uh, if the Missouri defense can actually show up, make some stops, I don't see Joe Milton beating uh, Missouri. Do we want my mortal now, or do we want to save it? Uh, no, we're on the mortals. Let's hear them. Okay. All right. So the mortal that I have, top play of the week, we're in alignment as well. Arizona minus the 10 at Colorado. Arizona, this was a team that I've been high on the last couple of years with Jed Fish. they kind of been waiting to see it all come together. They make the switch. I actually thought Jane Deloria was a pretty good quarterback for as a college quarterback, probably wasn't an NFL caliber type player, but he had made some plays, had been around. They make the switch to Nick Fafita, the rookie. This team's just approached another level. Using Phil Steele's game grades where he goes in and kind of just assigns teams, uh, you get a grade based on how well you perform versus your team's averages and so on and so forth. A bunch of nerd shit. Anyway, uh, the last four games since Nick Fafita's been in, Guess where their average game grade would rate them at in the country? Because it's kind of like a power rating. So, do you want to know where they would slot in since he's been the quarterback? Uh, 15. No. Two. Three. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the third best team uh, just based on game grade performance thus far. I just don't think Colorado can make stops, to be honest with you. Not sure Arizona can make a lot of stops either, but they just, they're a better team. They're more complete. Uh, the prime thing's kind of falling apart here in Colorado, right? Like we said, it would be interesting to see what happens when they start losing. We were kind of talking about in the group message, Shador puts up some nice numbers. He makes some good throws, but let's be honest. They call out a whole offense around him. Uh, it's all pretty much designed to make him look good. They already fired the offensive coordinator who they hired away from Kent State. Uh, they, he had been a head coach at Kent State. They hired him to Colorado. He's out. They replaced him with Pat Shermer, essentially. Uh, had him switch coaching duties. So, little turmoil in Colorado. Um, Shador's looked banged up the last couple of games, too. And you never know what you're going to get with Travis Hunter. So, give me Arizona minus the 10. I like it a lot. Love it. Larry. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier, but I am going with a total. I am going the under 45 in Michigan at Penn State at, at uh, noon. All right. Fucking, I might have to, I don't want to ride it, actually. I don't want to jinx your bet. I won't do no, that. No, do not touch my totals. No, do I'll, not I'll, touch I'll my take total. the over. I'll take the over. <laughs> uh, all right, my mortal. If you look at the last four games for Nebraska, they beat Illinois, beat Northwestern, beat Purdue, arguably the three worst teams in the Big Ten. 
Then they go at Michigan State, lose 20 to 17. I think the hype train was there. I love the fact that Maryland got blown out by Penn State because that bought me a couple extra points. Maryland minus two and a half. I'm going to put four units on this play. I love it. I love everything about this fucking game. It's at Nebraska. Don't care. Two and a half points. Basically, this game, it just screams Maryland to me. By if I Again, my logic is I, I look at the game without looking at the spread, and I think of the spread, and I look at what the Vegas has posted. I would have put this at 11 or 12 minus Maryland. Um, so Maryland minus two and a half. One of my favorite plays all year so far. When I saw this game and I saw the spread, I almost jumped out of my seat. Maryland minus two and a half. Let's have it. Boys, thank you for running the show while I was gone. Glad to be back. Let's enjoy these last few weeks of college football. Let's win some money. Let's take care of business. Let's fucking go.